0: If you would please turn your Bibles to James chapter 4 we'll be reading verses 1 and 2. That's James chapter 4 we'll be reading verses 1 and 2. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts and uh, even of your lust that war in your members. Ye lust and have not; ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because he asked not. In recent weeks, the act of abortion has reared its ugly head once again in a very prominent way. On the 46th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the, the Supreme Court hearing that legalized abortion the governor from New York, Andrew Cuomo, a godless man and not a God-fearing man, signed legislation legalizing legalizing late-term abortion. Not only did the New York Senate pass the Reproductive Health Act, and that's a misnomer, that's absolutely not what it is, and not only did Cuomo sign it, sign it into law, but then they celebrated the passage of legalized murder as if they had won the Super Bowl. Video shows the, the uh, legislative body there in New York erupting in cheers as politicians and the audience members applauded the bill as if it were some kind of a victorious symbol of strength for the nation. The New York law is the most expansive murder bill in the country, allowing late-term abortion until the baby's due date, if it meets certain requirements, and those requirements are not difficult in any measure to meet. The godless organization known as Planned Parenthood, and their name couldn't be further from the truth, applauded the passage as if, it were some sort of leap forward for society. The most heinous parts of the bill describe the new parameters of abortion. If the patient is within 24 weeks of delivery, the child, and or the abortion is necessary to protect the patient's life or health. Now the problem is, the terms are so broad, the protection of life or health could be absolutely anything. An expectant mother could determine that this pregnancy is causing so much stress in her life that she just cannot live normally with that child, and so then she has the legal grounds to murder that child. Now what the country needs to understand, this law is not an abortion law. This law is a law legalizing infanticide. Did you know an 8-pound baby can live outside the mother's womb with very minimal uh, medical care? In fact, none of my children weighed 8 pounds at birth. A lot of children might weigh 5 pounds at birth. Might weigh even less. They're viable. They're alive. They're somebody. Abortions performed after 20 weeks, according to the Lothier Institute, are most commonly performed by a medical procedure called dilation and evacuation. Now those particularly gruesome techniques involve crushing, dismemberment, and removal of the child's body from the mother's uterus mere weeks or even after the baby reaches a developmental age of viability outside the mother. Did the New York State Assembly know this and still applaud? Or is it logical to believe that in this age of information, they were willfully ignorant of those facts and procedures? Now, not only does Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo approve of murdering unborn but viable children, so does the Democrat Governor from Virginia, Ralph Northam, when asked about potential survivors of late-term abortions, he replied. So in this particular example, if the mother is in labor, he said, I can tell you exactly what would happen. The infant would be delivered. The infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and the family desire, and then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. Now, Northam is specifically speaking about a child being born alive and then a discussion being had on whether or not they ought to kill that child. Now, that's not an argument about different abortion techniques. That's not an argument about whether or not a child can feel pain, which it can. Instead, it's about a fully born child being born alive, surviving a murder attempt, and then whether or not it should be murdered if the mother says so. Such a bill was put forth in the state of Virginia. Now, when asked how late in the third trimester could a physician perform an abortion, Its chief proponent, Delegate Kathy Tran, a Democrat from Northern Virginia, replied, through the third trimester. That's the question he asked, through the third trimester? Adding, the third trimester goes all the way up to 40 weeks. The chairman of the subcommittee then asked, where it's obvious a woman is about to give birth? Even when she has physical signs that she is about to give birth? She's dilating? Tran replied, my bill would allow that. Yes. Known as the Repeal Act, Virginia House Bill number 2491 would eliminate current restrictions on late-term abortions. Now, the sad and scary truths about what the New York and Virginia bills, as radical as they are, Intend for our nation is abortion on demand up until the moment of delivery and even afterward. Now that is what the modern Democratic Party stands for and what their agenda of our nation is. Those are the facts. Susan B. Anthony List, president, Marjorie Dannenfelser stated, that position is irreconcilable with the beliefs, values, and desires of the overwhelming majority of Americans. Millions upon millions of children have been murdered in this nation alone since January the 22nd, 1973, and including the lessening restrictions of a law passed on July the 1st, 1976. Now that is what is happening in our nation right now. That's what's taking place in front of our very sight. And what are we going to do about it? That's a huge question. Here's what we better do. We better motivate ourselves in some way to stand against such blatant disregard of human life and the sanctity God has for it. One way we do that is at the polls when we go vote. We vote for people who will lead our nation in one direction or the other. Now the title of the sermon this morning is They Desire and Do Not Have, So They Kill. But why is that happening? Why? That's our first point. First, the world has held itself up as being God. No longer do they view God as the the deity who created heaven and earth and who provides and sustains all life. They hold themselves up as God. That's modernism. That's humanism. We're going to worship ourselves. There's nothing greater or higher than mankind. Notice what James said. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have. But what do people desire so much that they were willing to kill for it? Financial security, leisure, more education, unrestrained sexual activity. And more often than not, that is fornication, unlawful sexual activity. More career options, the avoidance of a child who may be handicapped or maybe just less hassle for the next 18 years. Now, we all have desires, and desires can be either good or they can be bad. Then comes the pregnant mother. The beginning of the work of a person being formed in the very womb of that lady someone who has been created in the very image of God, and along with that, in a lot of cases, those desires become threatened. They desire, and then because of a child, they kill. The baby's going to cost money. The baby's going to cramp travel plans and leisure. It's going to keep them out of school, hinder their career advancement, consume thousands of hours with a possible handicap and limit their freedom in countless ways for the next 18 years. Then what? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have. The world kills marriages and they kill babies because they interfere with the desires of worldly people. Marriages and children stand in the way of unencumbered self-enhancement and getting in touch with the real person of who I am. That's the God of this world today, isn't it? Being who you want to be, being happy, and being what you need to be. You see, all those things have usurped the throne of God and have become a God in of themselves. Just think about it, if God is no longer God, then the assault upon His work in the womb is not sacrilege at all. Instead, it's obedience to the God of self. There's nothing wrong with murdering someone if if all we are are just animals, graduated apes, we're not formed in the the, uh, image of anything beyond what we are, then what in the world is wrong with murdering someone? You see it in the animal kingdom all the time, don't you? Those who cannot protect themselves, or animals that cannot protect themselves, just fall to the wayside. But the psalmist declared this, Psalm one thirty nine thirteen. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. Job, in defense of his character, he spoke to his friends. He said, Job 31, beginning with 13, If I have despised the cause of my male or female servant, when they complained against me, when shall I do when God rises up? When He punishes, how shall I answer Him? Did not He who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one fashion us in the womb? When Mary came into the presence of her sister Elizabeth, and they were both pregnant at the same time, John leapt in her womb because they were in the presence of Christ, and neither one of them had seen the light of day yet. Why is the wholesale murder of children happening in our world today? Because people of the world have made themselves God in their own eyes, and because Satan is a murderer. Beneath all the rhetoric lies the agenda of Satan, who according to Jesus, John eight forty four, was a murderer from the very beginning. Paul said when people love the world and follow its desires, they are following the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians two, two through three. If Satan is a murderer and the father of lies, and he is, we better resist him, and we better submit to God. Because James declared this, James 4, 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's the whole problem, isn't it? In a nutshell, that's the issue. Andrew Como, Ralph Nathan, Kathy Tran, and countless others refuse to submit to God. Instead, they submit to Satan and aid him in carrying out his plan to cause as many people as possible to lose their soul In eternal hell. That's his goal and they're helping him do it. Solomon was very clear when he said these words. Proverbs 6 beginning with verse 16. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. Now, I don't know if any of you watched last year, I believe it was sometime, as uh, the president of Planned Parenthood was testifying before Congress, and as you watched her in her answers to Congress, you saw every one of these characteristics in her, every single one of them. Why does the murder of children abound in our nation? Because our nation will not submit to God. The individual will not submit to God. A vast majority of people submit to their own desires. And I mean a vast majority. And that's a problem that will lead billions and billions upon billions of people into eternity unprepared. And on that day, it is guaranteed that those people Well, here, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Matthew 7, 23. These are some of the reasons why this terrible blight is taking a hold in our nation today. So what do we do about it? What do we do about it? We see the why. Now let's notice the what. That's our second and last point. What do we do? First of all, let's submit to God. Let's submit to God. Draw near to God and live in the grace and the mercy of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Allow Jesus to shape our lives instead of being conformed to the world. Paul warned this, Romans 12 verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We just simply cannot sit idly by and allow things like this to happen. We go back and we read the passage found in Luke 18, verses 35 through 43, and we are introduced to a blind man. Jesus comes along, He performs a miracle, He gives this man sight, and then He gets up and He honors God, but He doesn't stop there. He follows Jesus, praising His name, and all who saw Him knew that He praised the name of God. After all the things that God has done and provided for us, Is it not reasonable that all the people of the world should not just say nothing when terrible things happen that God disagrees with? That's not reasonable, is it? Our voices need to be heard. We submit to God by going to Him in prayer. Listen, we need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for anyone who's considering doing something like this. Most of the time, those young, usually young girls have been convinced that that's the answer to their problems. I don't know that they would do it on their own. I think someone has come in and convinced them there's no hope for them. The only thing they can do is get rid of that baby. Let's pray for that young lady. Let's pray for our nation. We need to pray about our state that the nation is in right now. We need to pray for the leaders. We need to pray that those who are trying to do what God wants, that they are victorious. And we need to pray that those who stand opposed to God will be defeated. We need to pray about that hard. During the Nuremberg trials, the prosecutors told the Germans who were facing trials of crimes against humanity that their defense of just following orders was not going to cut it, that there was a higher power to whom they had to yield and they didn't do it And that's exactly true today. There have been more innocent babies murdered than all of the deaths in that great war combined. Our nation, our world, and our faithful need the prayers of God's people so we can have the lives of the innocent protected. So what can we do? Submit to God. And then let's see abortion exactly for what it is. What can we do? What do people say who support abortion? They never say it's a form of birth control. They never, I've never heard anyone say that. They always want to go and say, well, it's for the health of the mother. Rape and incest. Something of that, some kind of a health thing. Do you know that less than 1% of all abortions are performed to save the life of a mother? Less than 1%. The vast majority of abortions are elective. Now, there are cases when it is necessary to save the life of a mother, but you're not performing a murder, you're performing a salvation of somebody. Only one is going to survive and you save the life of the mother. Even if we added all the non-life-threatening health issues that they claim, that only raises the percentage to 2.8%. So what are the other reasons? Well, it's elective. It's birth control. It's a nuisance. I don't want to fool with it. It's interrupting my life. Is that what we want to stand before God, knowing that, We didn't do all we could do to stop it. Let's not have this social stupor that the Germans found themselves in when something got so bad and so big, they said, surely it's not wrong for me to just simply say nothing. It is easy to overlook a problem when that problem does not face us personally. That's the the problem with problems, isn't it? Hard to to look at an issue when we do not face it personally and get the motivation to stand up against it. But does God not want His people to stand up against what He calls an abomination? Does He want us to simply overlook it and say nothing? It's amazing to me that those same people who will defend and march on Washington, D.C. to try to maintain and defend, quote, the woman's right to choose, to murder, that's the elliptical statement that ought to be added in there they will also march on Washington D.C. to end capital punishment now here's the problem for years and years I've heard people when I've had discussions say well you're, you're, you're pro capital punishment I absolutely am in favor of capital punishment every single time when a capital crime has been committed now here's the difference Innocence. Innocence. No one has killed more people in this world than God has, and He's never done an unrighteous killing. He's never murdered anybody. Thou shalt not kill is an improper translation. You go back and you look at the Hebrew words, Thou shalt commit no murder. The righteous killing of someone who has committed a capital crime has been honored by God from day one. Paul recited that in Romans chapter 13. God ordained the practice of killing someone who commits a capital crime. Babies do not fall into that category. Paul recognized the legality of God's allowing for capital punishment. He stood before the Sanhedrin council and he said, If I've done anything worthy of death, He said, I wouldn't even try to defend myself because he knows that's legal. Now we need to exercise our democratic privileges of free speech and representation and press for the legal protection of the unborn. One of the strongest arguments against legal enactments to protect an unborn's life is this widespread idea that you can't, cause a law to be put into place unless we have widespread social consensus, and we do not have that when it comes to personhood. No one agrees when the child is a child or when it's a living being. Well, here's the thing. At the moment of conception, that child begins to grow, and it continues to grow, but that defense doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We can go back to the, to the pre-Civil War days and there wasn't a widespread social consensus on whether a slave was a person or not. And I don't think any of these people who defend abortion would ever stand up and say, hey, slavery's fine because we don't have widespread consensus. They won't say that if you go back 200 years or more, that it was okay at that time because there wasn't widespread consensus on the personhood of a slave. I don't believe that for a second. Let's listen again to the words of James. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. Listen again to the words of Solomon. Proverbs 6, beginning with 16. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren, and anyone who defends the murder of a child, you can see every one of those characteristics in that individual. Every single one of them. Paul told those in Rome, law-abiding citizens did not have to worry about the sword of the state. Instead, the guilty should fear it because they've got it coming for their behavior, but there's nothing more innocent than a child, than a baby. And there's no reason for anyone to fear the well-being of a child who is in who should be in the safest place he or she could ever be the womb of a loving mother. Why should anybody fear for that child at the hands of a government who has sworn to protect it? What do we do? We stand up and we make our voices known. What do we do? We obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. We become soldiers in the fight and we stand up for the things that God wants us to stand up for. We stand against those things that He hates and He calls abominations. We obey the gospel, we understand what that process is, but we need to remind ourselves from time to time. Jesus said, Unless you believe I am, who he said he was, you'll die in your sins, John eight, twenty four. He said, Unless you repent of all past sins, Luke thirteen three, you'll die in your sins. He said, Unless you confess me before men, I won't confess you before my Father, which is in heaven, Matthew ten, thirty two and thirty three. He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Mark 16, 16. He said, He that endureth to the end the same shall be saved. Mark 10, 22. That's how we obey the gospel. That's how we become followers and faithful members of the Lord's church. That's what He expects. And then we can stand up and we can fight the good fight of faith. We can turn over to Ephesians chapter 6 and we can learn about the armor of the child of God and being prepared for battle. And knowing what we need to do and and fixing our lives in such a way that we can face the challenges that are presented to us. And when it comes time to stand up for God, we need to do that. The question was, who shall I send? Jeremiah said, here am I, send me. He was one man and he did exactly what God asked him to do. And let me tell you, it was not comfortable. In fact, he ended up giving his life. Twelve apostles went out into the world preaching the soul-saving gospel of Jesus Christ and all but one of them gave their lives in martyrdom. It was not comfortable, but it was exactly the right thing to do and it was exactly what God expected. If you've never obeyed the gospel, do that today. Join the fight. Help God protect the sanctity of life of the unborn child. It ought to just make us sick when we turn on the news and we hear about these godless people supporting such a clear case of infanticide. It ought to make us sick. If you have obeyed the gospel and you've become unfaithful, come back to the Lord through repentance and confession. We'll pray with you and for you if necessary, but get back into the fight with the faithful. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.